dipshit. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I forgot to hit the. I forgot to unpause it. You you didn't start recording. We did the clap sync and everything, and you didn't start recording. I know. I'm an embarrassment. You absolute dipshit. Yeah. Uh, we can do it now. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second intro to this glowing weak point. John, do you want to have your conversation? Of season two. Do you want to have no, your no, conversation we don't need about to... drums again? If if you want to do something like that, you can re-record your own intro and <laughs> slap my flawlessly recorded, actually recorded intro at the end of this episode. But no, we're not we're not gonna do that again. Uh, Wombat forgot to hit record five minutes into the episode. Um, yeah. Uh, at least hi. I caught it. Uh, at least I caught it early, and then we didn't do like the whole episode before I noticed. I would have been so mad. I would have too. I would have. I would have. I don't know what I would have done. Uh, okay, so uh, this is this is the first episode of season two, and as such. Wombat, what's your glowing weak point that I don't know already? Um, I can pick something different. Okay. <laughs> uh, I won't, though. My wallet was stolen and all of my credit cards were in there and my driver's license and my social security card and blah, blah, blah. And my my identity wasn't stolen so far. Yay! So that's that's my glowing weak point. John, what's yours? <laughs> That's not canned at all. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, mine is a similarly New Year's Eve-related thing, except uh, my life didn't come nearly crashing to an end. Instead, I had friends over. Oh. And uh, had had a, a couple that uh, we've been friends with for a while came over, and pretty late, but we had hors d'oeuvres and... Uh, used a, a sword to break off the top of the uh, champagne and and. Did you just say a some... sword? Yeah. Why? I mean, have you never done that? No, I mean I've never that? had champagne. Okay, well, I mean that's fine because champagne's kind of nasty. Actually, this was the best champagne I've had, and um, it might have something to do with the fact that we used a sword to open it, but. Like the experience yeah. made it better. Yeah. So, um, you to use a sword, you you run the sword down the side of the bottle, and when it hits the end, it, that's a weak point, and it pops off the top, and it's a clean break, and then you just you know pour it. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, but it's way cooler than than. Just normally opening up champagne. Yeah, we we watched fireworks. Uh, didn't have to buy any because the neighborhood I live in uh, is the fireworks store practically. Right. It, I, there are better fireworks in my neighborhood than there are in like New York City. It's <laughs> see, I had to. It's ridiculous. I had to, I had to work New Year's Eve, so I came home. And just 
like super late. I came home after midnight and my dog was just cowering in a corner of the room that they, they, they sleep in. <laughs> and I let them into the house and I just had to hold her for a while to, to calm her down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also worked New Year's Eve, but I got off at a time that allowed Makes me sense. to be there. Yeah. Right. It was only a couple hours before midnight, but that's, that's enough still, time to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than getting but, off at know, midnight. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I got to, to have fun with friends, got to have nice chats, eat lots of tasty food, drink bubbly. It was good. That's good. I'm happy for yeah. you. Yeah. So what have you so, played um, in the past three weeks, John? The past three weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while well, since we've talked about games we've played, you know? If we don't talk about the last 12 hours, I played Destiny 2. <laughs> <laughs> For three weeks, you played Destiny 2. Yes, and, and that's it. And actually, not a whole lot of that, even. Uh, like, I did a little bit of raiding, I did a little bit of delivering cookies for the dawning, and I did a lot of planning IRL for, uh, the cookie delivery that we're doing in our clan. So, with the dawning, yeah, the, the dawning is the seasonal active, or seasonal holiday for the winter, it's Christmas, and the way it works is you get an oven in your inventory, and then you go around killing things with different weapons and different types of enemies, and they drop ingredients. So you get, um, what are, what are some of them? You get, like, a taken butter from killing taken enemies, and you get, uh delicious explosions from using rocket launchers to kill enemies stuff like that and then you combine the two of them and you get a cookie in the game and then you go around to all of the npcs in the game and you give the cookies to them and they give you lots of shit um so it's it's fun it's simple it's not you know a huge deal like many of the other ones are but that means that there's cookie types for every single NPC in the game, which comes out to, uh, 31, 32 types of cookies. Yeah, 32 different types of cookies. And last year, my clan, uh, got the official Destiny 2 cookbook. And in it, it had several of the cookies, and I also got that, and we just kind of all decided, yeah, these cookies suck. <laughs> oh, like you all tried them, and, and yeah, well, uh, you bad could just cookies? you could just you could just look at the recipes, and if you are a baker at all, you can you can just tell. Oh, like yeah, we're not we're not gonna make these cookies because these cookies suck. Plus, there's like four of them. <laughs> and there's 32 cookies. <laughs> Which so, I should say uh, is one more cookie than there are flavors at Baskin Robbins. That's true. 
that's true. Uh, yeah. There's also no flavors in Baskin Robbins that I can eat anymore. Um, oh really? Because they got rid of everything that I could eat. Yeah. Now they all have milk in them. Now they all have milk. Not a single sherbet in sight. And sherbet's got milk in it too. Oh, I, I okay. sorbet is the only thing that that guaranteed doesn't have milk. I see. Yeah. I was under the impression sherbet didn't either. Hmm. So is most other people, but. Unfortunately, well, sherbet very often has milk. I'm sorry about that, John. Yeah. And I'm sorry about those Me bad too. cookies, too. So, uh, the the baker in the group, or actually I'd say the baker and the head of the group, which are siblings, uh, got together, came up with their own recipes, for not just the four that were in the book, but... But all 32? The other, yeah, the other 28 as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then they baked them all. Okay. For, every, for everyone in the clan. And then they sent them out, because they, they live in Ohio. Right, so this would have to be via USPS. Yeah, so, like, they, they, they baked them, and then they... Like, at the time, almost everyone lived in Ohio. It was, like, Ohio and Georgia were the two groups of people. Right. And so they they baked them and they gave them out just to everyone as they saw them and then sent a box of them to me and we distributed them to the, the people here. Well, this year, they went, yeah, we're not doing that again. That was way too much work for two people. So, no, hard let's agree. Do a cookie sign up. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, I, I didn't, I didn't expect them to do that at all, and and we were kind of shocked that they did. Um, so this year they did a cookie sign up list, and uh, I I signed up for five different types, and you know a couple people signed up for three and two and one, and uh, the original baker signed up for. Um, two of the ones she had already done, and then they added a few new ones this year. Like, it, it wasn't 32 last year. It was, like, 26 or 27 or something. Um, so this year, when they added, like, four or five more, she just went, all right, I'll make all of those. Okay. <laughs> so she's she's making the instructions for those. But it's, it's just... You know, I've gotta, I've gotta make those cookies, so I've gotta do it all. Plus, the way they have their recipes, all but two recipes require butter. Okay. And as such, last year I couldn't eat any. Oh of their wait, cookies. that's right. Butter's made out of milk. <laughs> yep. Yep. So. Last year, the only cookies I could make or I could eat that they sent, and my wife was very happy because she got to eat all her cookies and then also all of my cookies. Right. Uh, were ill fortune cookies from the game, which are homemade fortune cookies. They're much better than fortune cookies. Right. Fortune cookies are kind of just like nothing. Yeah. They're, they're kind of <laughs> garbo, but... 
I mean, they're not yeah, even no, garbage. He's... They're just like they they barely exist. <laughs> yeah. But these these are much better than that, and and very tasty. And I'm trying to find the other one. I think it's nope, not that. Bright dusted snowballs. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of 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 what they made. <laughs> okay. It's not my type of cookie. Snowballs sounds like it has coconut in it. Um, it doesn't actually. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess it uses coconut oil, but you you don't get a whole lot of the coconut flavor from coconut oil. Fair enough. Yeah, it's like vanilla, lime, powdered sugar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I gotta remake all of them, but with my butter. Yep. So that's enough with Destiny. Uh, tell me about the game I've played the most on your list, Kingdoms of Amalur, Re-Reckoning. Yeah. Uh, John, how long is this game? Very. Very? Because it doesn't feel like it would be. Cause, uh, if, you do, if you do all of the subquests, it, it takes a while. That's the thing. I'm maybe like eight hours in, and I've barely done any of the main quests. Uh, I only just got to the point where there's like two main quests instead of one. Like I, I went to to Delach, and I I, I saved um, Agarth from his his uh horrible fate okay. at the hands of a random troll. Earth. You're very early in. Yeah, it, it feels though like like I've already traversed like a quarter of the map that I can see. Okay, so I looked it up. The uh, the how long to beat for it for the main story single player, which is single player, the average is 34 hours for the main story. Jesus. Also, the... Completion... Com- completionist is about 108 hours on average. See, this worries me because I'm already level 12. And the the level cap without the the new DLC that they added this last year um, is forty. So I'm more than a quarter of the yes. way through my levels that I can get. Yeah, I mean, it but slows I barely down your started to the game. Level up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's 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 got me worried a bit, but it's fun. Um, I'm are, using. An are ex- you? What's are up? you grinding out um, like XP or stuff, or is it just you have been doing every quest that you came across? I've been doing most every quest that I come across. Some okay. of them I look at and I'm like, mm, I'm not going to be doing this. <laughs> okay. Like the the one to That's, recover yeah. the books, I picked that one up and I, I was like, huh, I'll never do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that that's one of those that you get and you're like, all right, well, if I happen to run across a book, then I'll grab it. Otherwise, no, at, at this point, I've no. even said I don't want to waste inventory spaces on picking up those books. So I've gotcha. seen a couple of the books and just left them. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> okay, yeah. But I'm using an exclusively great sword and chakram build. 
I tried out a staff for a little bit and didn't like it. So, ch- chakrams okay. is, and both of these weapons are very slow. The game tells you that they're yes. slow, so I cannot complain that they're slow. But it does yeah. make it difficult to use a shield sometimes. But I've gotten pretty mm-hmm. good. I've gotten pretty good at busting out the shield when I need it. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I, when I fail to do that, I'm just like, yeah, that's on me. Suck down another potion. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh. It, but... I mean, it, it's fun to just explore the game because each little area does feel, like, different. You would think, like, the webwood is just kind of the same as the forest before it, but it kind of feels like a whole new place. And then you get into, like, yeah. the swampy place around Deloc, and, and and that's even different. Mm-hmm. And also confusing. I hate that, that area of the map. It's, the swamp. Yeah, it's it's annoying to traverse. The next two areas to the right of that are my least favorite areas in the game because it, it feels like someone went, what if we just fucked with everything? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense from a map-making perspective. Like, it... The, you you can't look at the map and then decide where you're gonna go. It's just confusing. Well, I'll look forward to that. Yep. Great. Good luck. But yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's a pretty straightforward RPG. Like it, it's it's really fun, but I, I don't know. There's not much like like special to it. I guess it did a lot in its time. It it took a whole lot of things that other MMOs had done and just made them better. Right. And and combined all of them in one where there weren't those before. However, it was a long time ago. <laughs> right. I will say, I'm looking forward to getting more points into my blacksmithing skill. Because I've gotten I've gotten enough points into detect hidden where I can um, see the hidden pathways and stuff now, and that's pretty much as far as I'm gonna go into detect hidden. Okay. And now pretty much all of my points are gonna go into persuasion and blacksmithing, so that I can make ridiculous weapons. But right now blacksmithing isn't doing anything for me. Um, looted armor and weapons are generally better than what I can smith. Currently. Yeah. But I imagine that will change as I unlock options for myself and get further into the game. Alright, so let's let's do another one of yours before we hit up the three of mine at once. Okay, which one do you want to hear about? Uh, I feel like I've heard of Seeds of Chaos before. Oh, well, Seeds of Chaos is the one you bought me for Christmas, because... Oh, that's <laughs> why... <laughs> that's why it, it sounds familiar. Right, uh... John decided that nobody else is going to buy me a hentai game for Christmas. And so somebody had to. Uh, It was on your list. It was. Nobody actually had to buy me this. I wasn't intending to buy it until the game was, like, out of early access. But since I have it now, I did play it for a while. Uh, Okay. 
I mean, let's just get the hentai portion out of the way. It's hot. This game is hot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Is... I mean, for for whatever reason, I can't access the uh, the store page for it, but I can access the game page, like the game's website. Right. And uh, yeah, it looks hot. No, the the art is really good. And whether you like male on male, male on female, or female on female, uh, it's got a little bit of everything for you. And 100 plus sex scenes. Yeah, it's a lot. There, there's a lot going on here. Um, and it, it there is like an actual game to it too. It's not just a it's not just a visual novel with porn. It's um yeah like like there's a grid based exploration system. Where like random events will occur, and, and you you like your character rolls a die to see if they succeed or fail at certain things. Um, okay. And there there's like, is there a battle mechanic? I feel like there's a battle mechanic, and I just haven't been able to use it yet because the game it's in early access. Listen, it's it's yeah. rough. It takes a while to get to anything <laughs> decent. Um, like like uh, a, any real gameplay, it takes like an hour and a half to get to any real gameplay. Um, okay. <clears throat> John? Yeah? Have you ever seen a character slide onto the, the screen and then like stutter? No? So, so during the visual novel sections of the game... Characters will move across the screen, but the instead of doing like a successful like slide across, they'll they'll do jumps. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's definitely something they need to fix. Um, and also every now and then, like when it, when an event triggers, you'll see the like like the code name for the event in the screen, like it'll be like event uh town underscore siege underscore yeah. <laughs> uh town dot siege dot part one right stuff like that <laughs> oh that's uh that's early access yes uh they've gotten the they've gotten the porn scenes down really well though like they've they've got that so if you're looking for some really good porn, Seeds of Chaos is actually pretty good. And also, you don't have to see anything you don't want. Um, I, I wanted to point That's good. I wanted to point that out about the the game. Um, right off the bat, like like there's two main characters. There's the one you mainly play as Rowan, and then his wife. Uh, Al. I don't remember her fucking name. <laughs> but uh, his his wife is kidnapped at the start of the game and, and he goes off to rescue her and then he he gets put into a dungeon and then is told like hey help us conquer the world and, and then you have four options for yes and then you can refuse which i'm guessing refuse is like a game over but also at this ah. point at this point you can say like i don't want to see any um ntr content anything where like the wife is fucking somebody else 
you don't have to see. Yeah. Like, immediately, you can, you can say that. That's good, because most people don't like that. Yeah. Uh, Just in general, most people don't like that. Uh, I mean, I, I said a, yes just to see as many scenes as I could, and generally, like, it, it seems like both the husband and the wife understand that they're fucking everybody around the castle, and it's just kind of like a poly relate, like an open relationship. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so even if you say yes, like, like it's not like super gross kind of cheating. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can you can say no to that just right off the bat, and it won't prompt you going forward. Um, and then every single sex scene with a character has an option for you to like uh, say no. I don't want to be doing this. Like, like okay. you you can advance the story w- in that way without having to see the sex scene. So okay, yeah. If you want to just get straight to the shitty game, you can do that. So the reason why I'm going to handle all three at once is because, like I stated earlier, I played all of these within the last 12 hours. Honestly, kind of within the last eight hours. So you have um, maybe an hour with each of them. Yeah, maybe. Um, last night, my wife and I decided to have a sleepover. Okay. So I mean, with we who? Got with each other? Our, uh, yeah. I mean, don't you have that every day? You live together. <laughs> no, no, no. So there's there's a difference between sleeping together and having a sleepover. Okay. Um, we we got out our um, sleeping bags and we made a room on the living room floor. Oh, you're doing a lot. And we ordered a pizza in and pulled out our consoles and played played some video games until we fell asleep. You so did some eighth grade some... bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, we we pulled out 007 The World Is Not Enough, which I tend to think of as a better shooter, uh, better multiplayer at least, than Goldeneye. Everybody likes Goldeneye more, though. Yeah, I, I think that's because like Goldeneye in general is a better game. It's got more options, and it's got, uh, like, all the cheats and stuff you can toy around with, and it's got a much better campaign. But The World Is Not Enough has significantly better bot AI, as well as just better multiplayer maps, in my opinion, and they did a good job with the the weapons and and where they are and it's i i think it's the better multiplayer game question is pierce brosnan your your bond oh absolutely okay i I just had to ask since since we're we're talking about pierce brosnan era video games who's who's your bond uh i don't have one i don't really like bond um Okay. I did like Skyfall, uh, and I like Daniel Craig in general. So, like, I guess I would say Daniel Craig. But who was the first Bond you watched? Uh, I mean, probably fucking Sean Connery. Honestly. Okay. Yeah. Because I my my first Bond I watched was Pierce Brosnan. Like, I I grew up with Goldeneye and. 
uh, the world is not enough and uh, all of those. See, I didn't, I didn't ever seek out Bond on my own until like I watched Skyfall. Uh, as a child, I only ever saw Bond as my stepdad was watching Bond, and he watched mostly like the older stuff. Okay, because that's what he I grew mean, up with, you know. Yeah, we we watched the Bonds as they came out, and then, and, and I'm a little bit older than you, so I was more around the Pierce Brosnan time. Um, You're a year older. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I'm a little bit older than you. Plus, I grew up with um, Bond Week uh, every holiday season. Bond Week? Yeah, and sometimes during the summer. Uh, Bond Week is is when, uh, I forget what TV channel, uh, just runs back-to-back James Bond movies. Like, from Doctor No all the way through, uh, at the time, Die Another Day. (laughs) Oh, your dog is upset. Yeah. Hector is mad. Yeah, they... Oh, Hector wants attention, is what Hector does. (laughs) Um, He's happily talking. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, Bond Bond Week is great. Okay. But then then we moved on from 007 The World Is Not Enough to uh, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Screwed around in there. Uh, Didn't spend too much time on there because uh, I win. You win? I win. I mean, I'm guessing you have more practice in Super Smash Brothers, so. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more practice. Like, Super Smash Brothers um, is really fun if you can get a whole bunch of, like, casual players together into a room. Or if you can get yeah. a whole bunch of experienced players together into a room. But if you have a mm-hmm. single experienced player in a room full of casuals, the game becomes not fun. Correct. <laughs> Uh, unless you do uh, no friendly fire three v one teams, then it then it becomes more fun. Yeah, if everybody can everyone. team up against them, yeah, yeah. The problem is that uh, growing up, I played this game like no other, and I played constantly on like one v three teamed level nines <laughs> because you were bored. I'm guessing. Yeah, and I really wanted to be good at this game, and so I was. Did you ever enter a Smash then, tournament? No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything like that. Um, um I guess technically but, I have more Smash experience than you do. I've entered a tournament. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's talk about this. Uh, I won my first match, and then I lost immediately in my second. what what era of smash was this uh the 3ds one smash 4 yeah okay i've i actually have never played smash 4 yeah i mained robin i mean i still when i when i play smash i still main robin one of those fucking anime characters with swords well she she is actually mostly a magic character so yeah. She does have a sword. Yeah. All of the anime characters do. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, they're all from fucking Fire Emblem, and Fire Emblem's main weapon is a sword. They could introduce an axe yep. character or something, but they only introduced the sword ones. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So uh, then we were going to play the Wii and do Lego Lord of the Rings, which isn't a great Lego game, but it, it's it's Lord of the Rings. I imagine it's still better than uh, the newer Lego games. It's the predecessor to the newer ones. Uh, oh, you it's, told it's, me that before. I, yeah, it's it's the first step in that direction, but it's not anywhere near as bad as like the Force Lego Awakens. Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yeah, hot garbage. Um, gotta get that Star Wars OT Lego in there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've got I've got the complete collection. Yeah. But we are gonna play this on the Wii, and I could not find a single nunchuck. <laughs> and you can't play without nunchucks. No, most games you you need a so need a nunchuck. So I I I had gone through the process of pulling out the Wii and plugging everything in and getting batteries for the controllers and stuff, and then just had to unplug it because couldn't do that. And then I pulled out the PS3, and I, we were gonna play some uh, COD Blops, some Call of Duty Black Ops, and. Uh, then it just didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, it, it it turned on, but then it just didn't display on the TV. That happens. So, that PS3. I'll have to f- figure out what's wrong there, and... No, uh, it's dead. Maybe get a new one. <laughs> yeah. And then I pulled out my PS2. Oh, yeah. we played... Crash Team Racing. There you which go. Which is the best kart racer that ever existed. So you say, but can you prove it? Uh, how, how would I prove that? I don't know. That's for you to figure out. You're the one making the claim. <laughs> it has it is the best battle system, and it... It has just a really fun race system as well, but I typically stick to battle mode for cart games. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I will say... It's got rolling bombs. Crash Team Racing is probably the only good Crash game on PS2. Uh, I mean, it was a PS1 game, but... Oh, was it? I thought you said you pulled out your PS2. I did. Oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> Well, then there's no good PS. There's no good uh, Crash Team. I don't. On P- I don't think there is. On PS2. Yeah. What, what? I I don't think there is a good Crash game on PS2. What are you gonna play? I, fucking Crash of the Titans. Was that a game? That was a game. Are you gonna Are you gonna play Crash Four: The Wrath of Cortex? <laughs> Uh, I have never played The Wrath of Cortex. Don't. It's bad. <laughs> uh, I also never played Warped. Crash 3 Warped. I don't remember Warped. Oh, you said it's, it's... just Crash 3? Yeah, Crash Bandicoot 3 oh, okay. Warped. I didn't I, I didn't realize the subtitle for it was Warped. Yeah, yeah I played Crash, or I have and have played Crash and Crash 2 Cortex Strikes Back. I've heard the third is and, the best. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. It's got a dinosaur in it. 
Actually, I've heard that the newest one, the four, uh, actual Crash Four, um, is the mm-hmm. best unless you're trying to complete it, in which case it's the worst. <laughs> like if you're trying to 100 percent it, it's miserable. But if you're just playing the game, it's like great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your main in Crash Team Racing? Uh, Coco. Of course. Uh huh. She's the cute one. Yeah, I mean, I expected that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The the other one is um. Oh, what is the name of the bear? Uh, don't ask me. Um. Is it Pura? No, it's Polar. Polar. Okay. Yeah. But a bear. Yeah. Yeah. Polar. Polar. I see. Yes, polar, as in the polar bear. Right. I thought you said polar. It's a... Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I didn't. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I played last night. And, and then uh, you passed out. Yep, pretty much. Like a like an <laughs> eighth grader on a sugar crash. Tell me about Loop Hero. I've played a lot of Loop Hero recently. Um, okay. And I've gotten really far. Like, I used to not be able to beat the first fucking boss, and now I'm all the way at the third. Um, and there's only four, so... Uh, I'm pretty far. I remember Loop Hero now. Yeah. You must have played this at, like, the beginning of last year. I think it was, like, near the middle. Something like that. It, it's a good uh... game to have on in the in the background. Um, okay. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a pretty decent game. It's definitely something you don't pay full attention to, and you just kind of, like, watch a YouTube (laughs) video or something while you play it. Um, Okay. I will say, I've unlocked a lot of cards in the game since, like, the going back to it. Um... There's a thicket card, which increases your character's um, attack speed by 3%, which there is no reason to not ever just play every time you get it. Uh, yeah. In fact, I've, I, yeah. I've stopped putting out the forest card, which gives a 2% attack speed bonus, just because like I'd rather have the 3%. As much room mm-hmm. for a 3% as possible. Just keep doing that. Yeah. Um, and then set meadows down next to them. A meadow normally will give you like two H, like give you like regenerate two HP at the start of every day. But if you set it down next mm-hmm. to a building or a forest or a mountain or any anything really, um, it becomes a blooming meadow. And now it restores three HP at the start of the day. I fucked up and said three at the the first time, didn't I? It normally restores two. It, but if you you put it down next to something, it gives three. Um, and just yeah. just recently, I finally unlocked the river. And the river requires you to fight like a whole bunch of like groups of four plus enemies um, in order to get yeah. a certain resource that only drops from that. And then you have to get fifteen of that resource. Um, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the river, whatever it's built next to, like any land 
um, la- landscape tiles, like the thicket or the meadow, it doubles yeah. their effect. Ooh. Yeah, so a, a thicket will then become a 6% attack speed bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's next to a river. That's, that's nice. That is really nice. So I'm hoping to get a lot of use out of that and maybe finally beat this fourth fucking boss. Uh, also, I've gotten I've gotten two new classes. The game starts you with a warrior. I mean, the warrior's fine. But then I unlocked the uh, the thief. And the thief allows you to t- use two weapons. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just using the thief forever now. Uh, yeah. Until I unlocked the necromancer. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just cool. Yeah, well, the, the thing with the necromancer is that it summons skeletons onto the field, right? On your mm-hmm. side. And the, the skeletons mm-hmm. can get hit instead of you. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, obviously I'm doing that so that I don't get hit as much. Yeah. Also, the 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 necromancer um, gets a, an equipment, the, like a necklace, an amulet that gives it a magic shield, which is just like HP before um, it starts dealing damage to your actual HP. So that's really okay. useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An overshield. Yeah, it, it, it's great. I love the necromancer. Best class in the game. If there's another class, it still can't be better than the necromancer. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely won't. Nope. Because you've definitely not said that the last three times. Well, the warrior sucked. I felt the warrior tale. sucked even as I was playing with just the warrior. <laughs> okay. Tell me about light fairy tale. Okay, Light Fairy Tale is a game that will almost certainly never be completed, but it's pretty good. Um, it's a Final Fantasy VII-inspired inspi- JRPG game being released episodically. Um, oh. There are two episodes out. The first one was put out in 2019, and the second in 2021. So, like I said, it'll probably never be completed. Yeah. Um, I played through episode one. I'm going to get to episode two pretty soon. But uh, there are two main characters in in episode one. Haru, who's like the main character of the entire series. And then, and then Kuriko, who's uh, his love interest and, and has her own um, story you can play after beating his in this game. I will say, okay. Kuriko didn't need a story of her own it doesn't really add much of anything i'm unsure why it's included but i mean episode one serves as a really good tutorial for what the actual game will be um it's a pretty fast paced but turn-based um battle system uh with with Okay. Orbs that you can equip to your your characters, similar to Final Fantasy VII again. Like, uh, the entire game is very Final Fantasy VII. I should say, like you're it 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 looks like like it. you're in a you're in an underground city. So like, oh, you can't see the sky the same way that when you're on the ground level of Midgar, you can't see the sky. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're fighting against the evil empire who's oppressing the citizens and shit. 
Um, a rebel faction is yeah. mentioned, but not really seen in episode one. Okay. This Kuriko's story. I just need to get back to this. Kuriko's story follows exactly Haru's story, except for a part in the middle where um, Haru goes off and he plays um, hide and seek with a character whose only given name is Kid. Um, and this <laughs> and, and this ends with Kid getting arrested by the Empire and dragged away. Um, and when you play Kuriko's side of the story, she's just doing like her side job with, with a character named Daichi. And like I guess it showcases her computer skills, but if you play through, and you have to, you have to play through Haru's story, so you already know that she has computer skills. Um, yeah. And also, I guess it kind of hints at something that he, the the other character is working on, her boss, Daichi, um, that she deletes. I don't know, but none of it is mm. explained at all. In any way, so I don't. I'm not sure why okay. they bothered to include it. And then the only other thing that's different is the very end cutscene, because Haru ends episode one by distracting the soldiers away from Kuriko and then jumping off a cliff into like the fog below that I guess covers the deep lands. And Kuriko, uh. Uh, Kuriko's end cutscene is watching him do that and then like falling to her knees. Mm. So. <sighs> is it voice acted? It is not. Um, okay. You can play the game in English, it's Japanese. Me that you're saying Kuroko. <laughs> you can play the game in English, Japanese, or French. Um, there is some Japanese voice acting, but only in the battle system, and it's only let, like like um, Kuroko saying Hi? time time to go to sleep, or Haru saying yeah, okay. yeah. And I'm not sure why it's in Japanese either, because the developer is French. It's just bothering me you saying Kuroko. I know, but that's her name. It, it, it's her name. No, it's not. Kuroko. I'm not saying that. It's... <laughs> okay. You yeah. can just say names wrong. Yeah, you it, say a lot of names wrong. It's Kuroko. <laughs> No, it's not. That's not how those characters are spoken. I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can be wrong. But it's a, it's a really good game, and I'm guessing um, episode two is going to be more interesting. And, and also, okay. It also only takes like two hours to beat Haru's story in episode one, so it's really quick to get through. Game facts. We're talking about Super Mario Brothers three. Why'd you decide on this one, uh, John? Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's a classic, and I thought we would start off with a classic. I mean, we have already talked about Mario games, though. But that was the Mario as a genre and as a series, as not a genre. the individual games. <laughs> Mario, Mario's a genre. But the Mario genre. <laughs> it, it it is it is. Super Mario Bros. 3 is a side-scrolling platformer developed by the famous Nintendo R&D 4 group under Shigeru Miyamoto, like most early Mario games. Yeah. Yeah. All. All? 
Well, yeah. not all, because this was the last game to come out of R&D 4, the dev group given to Miyamoto after he proved his consistency in producing amazing games. R&D 4 created the Donkey Kong, Mario, and Zelda franchises, and Super Mario Bros. 3 is a good note to end on. Better than Zelda 2, the previous release. Oi. You said uh, early Mario games, and uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 ends the early Mario games uh, section. I see. Yeah. There are... Everything else is not early. Also, Zelda 2 is a great note to end on. How... How dare you? Mm. (laughs) Easily. (laughs) I easily dare. I love Zelda 2. How can you not, John? How can you not? There's uh, it's an, so many ways. It has levels, John. John. Uh-huh. Zelda 2? Yeah. It has levels. Yeah. I love a level. That's one of the bad things about <laughs> it. John, I love a level. <laughs> I know you do. Fucking JRPG trash. <laughs> In Super Mario Bros. 3, you play as Mario or Luigi. And it's basically the same controls and experiences as all its predecessors. Except, you get choices! I mean, first of all, you can choose Mario or Luigi. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would only ever choose Luigi. <laughs> oh. There's... I'm not, a, I'm not a Luigi fan, but I was the younger sibling, so I was always Luigi. Oh, yeah? No, yeah. No, see, I don't, I don't like Mario because he's just such a blank slate. Luigi at least has like some implied character. <laughs> There's a personality. Yeah, not at to Super Luigi. Mario Brothers three time. <laughs> no, not back then. But I'm, I'm talking about today. Today, I would only ever choose Luigi. Yeah. Yeah. Luigi didn't get a a, a character for another. Five plus years. I think it really started with Luigi's Mansion. I think I think that's when it yeah. when it really like gets going. He was he was nothing before then. <laughs> uh, maybe in the RPG games, doesn't he have some character in that? Okay, so uh, in the Mario and Luigi games, yes, and in Paper Mario, not really. He, he basically functionally doesn't exist in at least the first Paper Mario. Okay. Um, and Super Mario RPG, the six golden stars or whatever, he does not a- appear in pretty much at all. So it's not until like Thousand so, Year Door that he would show up, which is contemporary with yeah. with um, Luigi's Mansion. So. Yeah. All right. So you get choices. There are new power-ups, like the ability to fly, a series standard from then on, gambling, and an overworld map that allows you to choose your own path, making it the best NES Mario game. It, I mean, it is the best NES Mario game. Yeah? Without a doubt. What do you mean by gambling? You've... <laughs> so there's the overworld, uh, non-world Oh, maps that you can go to. I see. It's like the ones where you like jump on yeah. the block, and the block gives you a random thing. Yeah, it's the the mini games that are also series standards yeah. from then on. Because I, I I remember playing those in um Super Mario 3D Land or what the fuck ever that's called. Yeah, yeah. All all of the modern 
traditional Mario's have have them. Probably only the second most re-released Mario game of all time, behind Mario Brothers. It was ported to the SNES, Game Boy Advance, Wii U, 3DS, NES Classic Mini, and Switch. Which all makes sense, as it was the third best-selling NES game of all time, <coughs> with 18 million copies sold. Uh, what, yeah. what are the first two? Uh, the first two are Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. Okay. Which is somewhat unfair, in my opinion, considering that uh, those were on the same cartridge. But Super Mario Brothers was re-released to be on its own cartridge, which explains how it got to, like, 40 million. Right. It, it, Duck Hunt got all so, of the sales with Mario Brothers, but Mario Brothers did yeah. get more sales. <laughs> Yeah, so Mar- Mario Brothers got like forty million, if I remember correctly, and Duck Hunt was around twenty-five million. I guess the question is, would Duck Hunt have sold so well had it not been on the Mario Brothers cartridge? Probably not. I also <laughs> feel like it was, it was the first game that they released, like that 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 dual pack was one of the first. 13 i think games that they that came out with the console i mean like what i'm thinking is it was so, probably one of those because you know consoles used to do this where when you buy the console you get a game or two i imagine mario brothers and duck hunt was the game you got with a I don't know new if that's nes true back then um I, I don't know if there's a console in package game for for the nes but I don't know if I could even find out that information or right. how long ago that was. Right. <laughs> uh, in addition to its accolades and sales, it was also the first game to be featured on the hit Channel 4 show Games Master! <laughs> Featuring Dominic Diamond and Sir Patrick Moore as host and Games Master with Daniel Blake from Edge... All of these people I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> With Daniel Blake from Edgewale UK going on to receive the very first golden throbbing Games Master joystick. That's right, we have a new TV show. We're moving on from That's Captain boys. <laughs> no more Captain N, we're into Games Master. <laughs> what the fuck is Games Master? Who's Dominic <laughs> Diamond? Why is Patrick Moore knighted? <laughs> uh... Paul Dominic Diamond was a Scottish television and radio presenter and newspaper columnist. What, is he in um, any way, way related to Dustin Diamond? Probably not. Okay. All right. And why is Patrick Moore knighted? Who is Patrick Moore? <laughs> uh, he was a amateur astronomer uh, who attained prominence in that field as a writer, researcher, radio commentator, and television presenter. He was also president of the British Astronomical Association, co-founder and president of the Society for Popular Astronomy, and author of over 70 books on astronomy. You said amateur astronomer. Yeah, he's an amateur astronomer, but also he is the president of the British Astronomical Association. Okay. I'm unsure how I feel about that. I kind of wish, like, an <laughs> actual astronomer would be the president. <coughs> <laughs> I feel like they're too busy astronomering. I mean, I guess. I don't know. What's NASA really so anyways, doing ga- these days? 
<laughs> Trying to figure out how to put a base on the moon and go to Mars. Great. Yeah. I mean, the base on the moon is really cool. I'm a, I, I, I want both of those things. I want to go to Mars, but not in the way that, like, society currently wants to go to Mars, because they just want to build a fucking Tesla factory on Mars. <laughs> uh. So anyways, the uh, the Games Master show uh, was, uh, it, it featured game reviews and, uh, as well as hardware reviews, but mostly it was about game challenges. So the very first episode featured Daniel Blake, a uh, like twelve year old, uh, facing off versus the games master, and the games master's challenge was for Daniel Blake to get fifty coins on the very first level of Super Mario Brothers three within a minute, or no, two minutes. Okay. And and then complete the level. And he did that. And, yeah, he had, like, eight seconds to spare, but he managed to do it. And so he got the very first Golden Games Master joystick. The golden throbbing joystick. Yeah, uh, Dominic Diamond likes to throw some of those words in there from time to time. Yeah, he's... He's not wrong. Joysticks do have a certain, um... Phallicness? Phallicness to them. <laughs> I mean, it, it is like just playing with a giant dick, so. So, yeah, that, that, that's Games Master. I'm sure we'll never hear about them again. We're going to hear about them next week. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. All right, so, John, did you like the book we had to read this, this month? I loved it. I finished it last night, and it was... I, I had a grand old time. I'm I'm going to turn around and read the second book immediately. I will say, it was more readable than normal Sword Art Online. It was more readable than most of the books we read. Well, but we've mostly read bad books, so... <laughs> this, yeah? <laughs> this, one, this one is the... It's not as great as the first vending machine book. But, I mean, it's pretty on par with the second. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate myself for reading this. Uh, what the, That's good. Before we get into the recap, I will say that the, the immediate problem I had with the book is that it does kind of rely on you having read the first Sword Art Online book. Because it doesn't cover the first day at all. Yeah. And that was something I was a little surprised about because, um, having watched the movie very recently. Oh yeah, the uh, what you described of the movie is entirely different from this book. Yes, but <laughs> it's it it was interesting to me because uh, so to to go in real quick. First of all, this is Sword Art Online Progressive One. I don't know that we've mentioned that. Uh, second of all. There are three stories in this book. There's the uh, the first one is Arya on a Starless Night, which covers the first floor of Aincrad, starting one month in. Just shy of one month. And then, yeah, just shy of one month. And then there's an interlude, 
the reason for the whiskers. And then there's Rondo for a Fragile Blade, the, which is the second floor of Aincrad. Yeah, each each portion of a book is going to be a, a one floor. That's the, that's the yeah. idea of this series. And the first chapter, or the, the first um, book of this is, like, after the first chapter, I'd say, is just basically exactly the movie at a certain point. <laughs> Okay. So the movie has Asuna backstory with a new character that doesn't show up in this book. And yeah, then it no. and then it gets like half the movie is Asuna and this other character. And then it gets halfway through the movie and <laughs> Kirito shows up and that's where the book starts. <laughs> right. From from then on, it's it's the book. Like exactly okay. the book. <laughs> So I got to that. I was like, "Oh, okay. We're, we're just gonna start here." All right. In the uh, in the movie, what happened to this other character? Is she still around, or did she die, or what happened? She is still around. So she, um, they they don't party up. She's she's still kind of a, a lone beta tester, but um, yeah, she's still alive and in the the front team. I'm certain she will end up being in the show or in the movie more in the the next movie but uh, it's it's not about her anymore (laughs) also um early in the book kirito mentions getting attacked by a beta tester like after leaving klein behind is is that early in the book i didn't hear any i don't recall reading that until the second floor no, it's it's mentioned in the first floor. It is. Okay. I can't tell you exactly where, but it is. Okay, because that was something I was going to bring up. It was like, they, they talk about constantly. Uh, he's like, yeah, I left my best, you know, my first friend at the town of uh, beginnings. Klein is not seen in this book at all, yeah. but he's constantly lamenting he is, how big a piece of his shit he was. He is sir not Klein. appearing in this book. And... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, and, and I don't—he's—he's he's not even named. <coughs> but no, Klein is named. Is he? Yeah, Klein's name is is dropped. Okay, well, I want to say twice. I want to say it's dropped <laughs> twice. So, like, with the amount of times they mention that he, you know, he laments that he had to leave behind his first friend or that he chose to. Uh it's 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 a bunch it's all over the place and it wasn't until the second floor like a third of the way through that they mentioned it again and then to me it seemed like they just offhandedly were like oh yeah and kirito was attacked on the first day by another beta tester i was like what where did where did this come from like why didn't you mention he doesn't go into any detail about it at all yeah and I'm guessing that means it must be like a side story in a in a mainstream like Sword Art Online book that they just don't. He he feels like oh people have already read this I don't need to write it again. That has to be what it is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I mean, <laughs> so let's get into the recap. Yeah. We, anything else we can talk about as we go through? 
This book opens almost a month after 10,000 players were trapped inside the virtual reality massively multiplayer online game Sword Art Online. 2,000 players have already died, and they have not cleared the first floor. Kirito, a solo player who we will spend an unnecessary amount of time not naming, is exploring the Labyrinth Dungeon when he wanders across a very talented, if not incredibly skillful, player slaying monsters on her own. After a short conversation, she leaves to keep fighting, but immediately collapses. Kirito does a thing that is kept unnecessarily vague for a long time, only to be explained almost offhandedly later, and helps her out of the dungeon. This is Asuna. Mm. Once outside, Kirito explains to Asuna that there will be a meeting in a nearby town on how to tackle the first floor boss, and they head there together. In the village, Tobana, Kirito meets with Argo the Rat, an information broker acting as an intermediary for someone trying to buy Kirito's sword, the Anil Blade Plus Six. It's a reward for a fairly difficult quest that Kirito has strengthened almost to the maximum. This seems unimportant, but you will be surprised how often the name Anil Blade comes up in the 354-page book. <laughs> Kirito has place. no interest in... S- <laughs> <laughs> Kirito has no interest in selling his sword, though, and Argo doesn't press the issue for now. As they wait for the <clears throat> meeting to start, Kirito and Asuna share a meal while discussing their different outlooks on the reality of the game. Kirito enjoys things moment to moment, while Asuna sees everything as fake and tries not to treat it as anything else. Once the meeting starts, led by the charismatic knight Diavel, things seem to be looking up until another player, Kibao, is that how you you would pronounce that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Kibao, demands that the beta testers reveal themselves and pay reparations before he'll fight alongside them. Things start to get heated until Agle, a large axe-wielding player, intervenes and explains that those beta testers are the reason they've made it so far, thanks to the free guides written and distributed by Argo the Rat. For his part, Kirito silently seethes about the number of deaths among beta testers, but says nothing. Diavel regains control of the meeting and spirits rise high, though it is noted nothing of strategic merit is discussed at all. Yeah, so also for this bit, um... This is just the show. Like, this is just the f- the second episode of Sword Art Online. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the only difference the is The second episode that- came out before this book did, but they, they got uh, the, like, story from Reki Kawahara and put it in there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um... <laughs> uh, additionally, like, the only addition is Argo the Rat. And and the entire plot line about the Anil Blade. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, like, everything else is ex- pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. There's, there's some, some additional fluff about the, like, how many person per team, and, like, I, I guess the, there's, there's an important bit about, in the beginning... In the show, they just talk about how 2,000 people have died or whatever. Um, whereas in this one, Kirito makes a point of knowing that like 300 of those were beta testers, which means that there was actually a higher death toll amongst beta testers than there were against the normal players. Like per cap. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's pretty much just the the second episode of the anime yeah 
And, and while we're talking about the party sizes, I do want... I wanted to talk about this. So you can have six people in a party, right? Yeah. And I'm unsure why, because you can't do a whole lot in this game. This is a bad game, Sword Art Online <laughs> is. Uh, the only thing you can be is a melee fighter. There is no option, really, for ranged fighting. I mean... And there's no magic system. We, we find out in the second book that that's not actually true. Right, well, it, but it's a special weapon that you have to have, like, a hidden skill for and shit. Yeah. So a normal player cannot ever fight at range except with the almost useless throwing knife skill. Mm-hmm. So why do you have six people in a party? Uh, because the reason why you have a party in, a, in an RPG, uh, like in an MMO, like, you know, you play Final Fantasy fourteen. you have a four-person party. Two of them are the DPS, one is the tank, and one is the healer. That's why you have a four-person party. But if you don't have a tank or a... Well, I guess... I mean, it's unclear, but everybody's a melee fighter, but there are, like, tank roles you can take. Yeah. I mean, I've, but you're still a, mainly a damage dealer. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's definitely it's, tank skills and and tank abilities. And if you are using heavy armor and shields and stuff, then you don't have the ability to dish out as much damage. So there, there's definitely multiple roles that you can play as. Um. Yeah, I guess it's just the number six. Six seems too high. Six is too big of a party for this game. Well, uh, so they they I don't I don't know that you didn't get this, but they they explain that multiple times that enemies are sized in such a way that in general six people can attack one or can can deal with groups of enemies because if if there's like one big enemy. They, they mentioned constantly that it's like, hey, this enemy's big enough that six people could get around it and fight it at once. Or... Yeah. Yeah, like... That's the bosses. Yeah. But the the non-bosses aren't found in groups of one. <laughs> and it's real hard for one person to deal with more than one enemy. So that's why you have well, parties. But that's not true either. There are there are a lot of enemies in the the labyrinth dungeons that spawn like in their own room, just like one at a time. Kirito meets Asuna fighting those. I thought she was fighting two like, at she's once. She's fighting. No, she was. Ooh, she might have been. And, which is a testament to Kirito and Asuna's skills on the front line. But that that's it's definitely intended to be a multiplayer party based game with solo players very much uh not in there <laughs> right like it, it also <laughs> real quick th this puts a damper in kirito constantly calling himself a solo player because he spends all of his time partying with yeah, Asuna. all of his time <laughs> I, I, I i do want to mention that like so we've we've talked before about how the the show and the book, or especially the the Sword Art Online light novel, mentions that 
they've never met each other before until you know later and they they didn't well they really never do spent any... real time together until the 55th floor yeah uh and then how that's just utter bullshit <laughs> yeah uh, did no. you did you read the afterward I did. He called himself out yeah, on that. He, he, he's he's like, like, I can't really do this without contradicting that. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, the, the afterward goes into it. And he's like, I was. The way I had to release the Sword Art Online light novel because of the, the way the. Uh, the Dengeki challenge or whatever it was that, that allowed him to publish it. Uh, right. Dingeki Novel Award submission, it had to be over. So he had to finish Sword Art Online in the first book. And because of that, he didn't get to do the things he wanted to or the things he wants to now, like actually explore the game. And so he wanted to do that. And he was like, well, Asuna's kind of a main character. And uh, I, I think there should be a main female character to go alongside Kirito. And I contemplated adding in a sec, like another girl. And then went, no, that just doesn't feel right. It should be Kirito and Asuna. So he just is like, well, I know that this breaks the entire thing that I said previously, but eh, fuck it. Maybe I can, I'll, I'll try my best to make it make sense as much as possible, but I don't care. I want to make this interesting. <laughs> I do wonder how he's going to tackle the um, the plotline where Kirito joins a guild. Yeah. Because it's kind of reliant on the idea that Kirito doesn't work with people. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering if... <sighs> and all he does here is work with people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Kirito has a on-again, off-again friendship with Argo, and uh, Aegil, um, I mean, obviously he knew and worked with in the anime. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm assuming that, like, maybe that'll happen once Asuna goes off to join the Knights of the Blood. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna lay this out. I don't think the Knights of the Blood are even going to exist until, like, the 70th floors. <laughs> no. No. It's going to happen before then. Uh. Okay. Getting back to it. In the middle of the meeting, Argo begins selling a guidebook to the first boss, Ilfang the Kobold Lord. They take a hiatus to buy and read the book, and when they rejoin, Diavel asks the 44 gathered players to split off into parties. There are enough for seven full teams and an eighth consisting only of Kirito and Asuna, who are asked to back up the team dealing with the mob spawns, a request Kirito interprets as, stay out of our way. <laughs> While discussing their strategy, Kirito realizes Asuna largely does not understand how the game works and offers to teach her. They settle on having their conversation in Kirito's current rooms, mostly because he mentions they have a bath. Uh, throughout this time... Uh, Asuna does not appreciate the world, but also finds little things that she loves, like bathing, which, to be fair, bathing is awesome. Um, as well as, uh, you, you mentioned previously that they shared a meal, that that was when, in the anime, Kirito gives her some butter or cream to put on the, 
the bread and yeah you know it makes it tastier and she gobbles it all up um yeah so like asana is majorly depressed which makes sense (laughs) yeah she had spent the first four weeks of the game just holed up in a room at an inn just like doing nothing yeah and then he meets her on like the third day after she decided to just go into the labyrinth dungeon and either beat the boss or die Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah (laughs) uh one one more thing um we were talking about the the him being attacked by another beta tester so I remembered that in the afterward, he talks about how he was was able to go back and write little stories on in Sword Art Online Volume Two, which we knew about, right? As well as, and I didn't know this one, Sword Art Online Volume Eight. So in Volume Eight, there are three stories in it: um, a murder case in the area, which is in the anime. In the anime, yeah. Uh, caliber that's one of the worst parts of the anime also <laughs> it's not great like the the only good part about it is that you get to see asana and kirito working together like that's right that's it um, like it comes out of left field for no reason it, well i guess it, it also helps to set up like how marriage works and get them thinking about marriage i suppose yeah but like that's a stretch uh, the second story is Caliber, which is from GGO or ALO or something. So not no, SAO at not, all. Not not important. And the yep. third story is First Day, and it talks about how Kirito rushed to get the Anil Blade, um, and found another beta tester, Cooper who wanted to work together and then they purposefully activate a trap which releases a horde of monsters and here's the interesting thing i looked at yeah i'm I'm on the wiki looking at it and it that story has one of the full color illustrations Uh uh-huh and the illustration is from the movie (laughs) this story (laughs) this storyline is the one that was Asana... uh, In the movie, it's Asana and her friend. And her friend is the one that accidentally triggers the trap or something. And and it's... Rather than intentionally doing it to Kirito. But it's it's the same monsters, and it's for a a quest item. It's for a sword. Uh, It's the sword that Asana eventually gets, I think right yeah okay my, my wife yes my wife confirmed um yeah so like it's it's for a sword it's a beta tester and one of the main characters it's these same monsters that look like they're probably triggered the same way as in the movie it's just not kirito it's asana and it's not this other beta tester that dies because the, the beta tester <laughs> that tries to kill him uh, dies. Oh, dies? Yeah. Oh, okay. Damn. So, that uh, figured I'd, I'd mention that. <laughs> Alright. 
While Asuna is bathing, Kirito is paid a visit by Argo the Rat. She's been asked to get an answer from Kirito about the sale of his sword by the end of the day, even though she's already gotten an answer, and reads him an offer worth more than the price of the sword. Kirito declines, but purchases the identity of the player trying to buy the sword. Argo reveals it is Kibao, the loud-mouthed man from the meeting. Afterwards, Kirito allows her to use the bathroom to change clothing, forgetting that Asuna is in there. Things go unclearly badly for him. <laughs> it's also worth mention that this section on page 63 is when Kirito first names himself, seemingly just because Reiki Kawahara realized he hadn't called him Kirito yet. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of dropped in the narration that my name's Kirito. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just super awkwardly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's bad. The book is... We've, we've said it's better than a lot of the ones we've read. It's still bad. It's still a bad... Rekikawahara's improved a lot since Sword Art Online 1, but he's still not a good writer. <laughs> I, I will say, um... This is better than all of the books I've read so far. <laughs> The day of the boss battle, the raid parties all meet up in the center of Tobana, and Kirito and Asuna have a confrontation with Kibao, who treats them like, like annoying stragglers. Kirito notes that Kibao doesn't have extraordinary gear, despite seeming to have the money to afford it. On the road to the labyrinth, Kirito and Asuna discuss how ordinary these trips to the bosses might one day seem, considering how long they might end up being in the game. As they enter the labyrinth, they have a few serious skirmishes along the route to the boss, but all 44 players reach the doors safely. They enter the vast boss chamber and are faced with Ilfang the Kobold Lord, who acts just like Argo's guide says he would, though interactions with Kibao lead Kirito to realizing he was likely also acting as a proxy for someone else, someone looking to land the last attack on the boss and receive a bonus, who views Kirito as a threat. As they reach the boss's final HP bar, and he pulls out a katana instead of the expected talwar and starts wrecking the party, Kirito finally realizes that Diavel was the prospective buyer of his sword and a fellow beta tester, just in time for Diavel to die in Kirito's arms. Kirito accepts Diavel's dying request to defeat the boss and works with Asuna, Agil, Kibao, and the others until he lands the last attack. After the battle ends, Diavel's friends, who didn't know he was a beta tester, become angry with Kirito for allowing Diavel to die. And in order to protect his fellow beta testers, Kirito takes on the mantle, literally and figuratively, of a beater, a portmanteau of beta tester and cheater. He leaves for the, sec the second floor to activate the teleport gate in its main city, but sits down for a chat with Asuna first, where she finally learns his name on page 119. <laughs> He also he also receives a grateful message from Argo the Rat, who offers him a free question. He chooses to ask her about the whiskers she draws on her face that gave her the name The Rat. Also, reading, it works a lot better in the anime where Kirito puts on the, the midnight coat and, and calls himself a beater, but reading it is just the cringiest shit in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such edgelord bullshit. Yeah. And, and it's like, just have a conversation with these people. Like, they're not beyond reason, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like they probably are. 
Kibao is definitely not. Lind maybe is. Lind might be. He, in that moment, he, he might be. Okay. But Kibao isn't. And, and I don't get the impression that a whole lot of the others have an opinion one way or the other. They're just kind of following Lin's lead. Yeah, they're definitely all sheeple. Yeah. Act- after activating the teleport gate in Urbis, Kirito hides to watch the players as they enter this new, unfamiliar place. But his eye is drawn to Argo, clearly fleeing through the gate while being chased by two others. These two are ninja role players trying to get Argo to sell them information on the extra skill martial arts. Why are there still role players in this game? <laughs> that that was my question reading that section. This is a game where you if you die, you are dead. <laughs> and you're you're still role playing? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking talking about Iga clans and bullshit. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Be a person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Kirito protects her, and in exchange, she shows him how to reach the hidden location for this new skill. It's actually the answer to his question, why the whiskers, however, as he finds out when the NPC for the quest draws whiskers on Kirito's own face and demands he break a boulder with his bare hands before returning him to normal. Also, this is when Argo officially joins (laughs) Kirito's harem. Kirito does break the rock and acquire the martial arts skill as well. Which gets rid of his whiskers. But, yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah, wrong. She, she, You're not wrong. She does. Argo starts calling herself Big Sister and like embarrassingly hugs him from behind and <laughs> Yeah, like it this there there's a section where like she's hugging him and and he's like panicked and doesn't know what question to ask. So he's like uh uh what 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 uh, what, what did they want instead of asking why the whiskers? And, and right, I just reading it. If it was in the anime, she would just be like "baka," and and then immediately like, like that's that's what it was. Like <laughs> it didn't say it, but it's fucking happened. But it said it. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> it wasn't written here, but it happened. Four days later, Kirito is hanging around Urbis when he sees the game's first player blacksmith working in the city. Unfortunately, it's just after he's turned a player's Anneal Blade plus four into a plus zero, making it worse than it was to start with, as it can now no longer be upgraded. The player, Rufiol, is incensed and starts screaming at the blacksmith, who apologizes profusely. Kirito himself had been considering upgrading his own Anneal Blade, And Asuna, who he runs into just then, wants to upgrade her rapier, the Wind Floret. With her current materials, she has a more than 80% chance of success, but seeing Rufiol's situation, Kirito convinces her to gather enough materials for a 95% chance. She agrees, but only if Kirito helps her. So, we're going to talk in a a minute about how this, uh, this blacksmith is running a scam. But I'm unsure if the situation with Rufio was a scam or not. It kind of seems like he really was just unlucky. So, here, here's my take on it. Uh, we'll, we'll just go ahead and explain the, the scam. Uh, the, the way the scam works is 
uh, people go to have their weapon upgraded. They take the weapon, they put the ingredients into the thing, they hit it with the hammer, and then the weapon breaks. And they go, yeah. oh, what, what is, you know, what is this? And they mention that, you know, it's a very rare thing that can happen, and, you know, we're very sorry, and, and then they leave. But what had really happened was that they had, while they were putting the objects into the furnace, had pressed a button to switch the weapon in their other hand with a identical weapon that instead of having extra upgrade slots, which there are only eight chances at upgrading uh once you have all eight chances finished when you try and upgrade it again it shatters so that is the purpose for this and and that they've they've got the better weapon tucked away that they don't have to give back because oh their weapon broke quote unquote but they've still got the real weapon um right they do a quick change to do that uh however that is why this person, um, this, they weren't getting scammed per se, although I wouldn't be surprised if instead of upgrading, they specifically did to like downgrade. Like maybe or, he was switching it for an anneal blade plus three and then he switched it for an anneal blade plus two. No, no. I, th- I think what happened is he actually did just wreck the blade. Like I, I think he like he, he, he got he really it. did just get unlucky all four of those times and I no, I don't think he was getting unlucky. I think he did it the, exactly the way he wanted to, which was downgrading the weapon. Uh I'm I Oh, you think you can intentionally downgrade a weapon? I think you can intentionally downgrade a weapon. And I think that's what he did was intentionally downgrade the weapon four times, apologize, and then ask huh. to keep the weapon so that he could do the other use thing. it as a yeah a, as a switch later yeah yeah no i understood that's why he bought the weapon at the end yeah i think it was on purpose it, it just never goes into the idea that you can downgrade a weapon on purpose well because i don't think that's like something most people would think about them doing <laughs> yeah like but even once kirito starts like investigating the scam it's never something he looks at. Like, Rufio's thing is just kind of dropped after this. Yeah. Um. So, they travel to the field to fight the flying enemies that drop the materials Asuna needs and bet an expensive cake on who can kill the most enemies. This is such a waste of page count. At the end <laughs> of the time, Asuna had squeaked out a win after Kirito relied on using his martial arts skill he'd been attempting to keep hidden. They share the shortcake and get a boost to luck as a result of eating it, when Kirito has the idea to try upgrading Asuna's weapon under the effects of the bo- of the boost. I legit just went over, like, 20 pages in three sentences. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe more. The maybe, maybe more than 20, yeah. Yeah. The blacksmith, Neja, attempts the upgrade only to have Asuna's rapier completely break from the process. He explains that this new possible consequence to failure was probably added to the launch version of the game. Kirito lamely attempts to console Asuna while grossly remarking on how beautiful she is when crying, (laughs) then walks her to an inn before going off to stalk the blacksmith. They do a very good job of making him completely clueless about Like, if you give me a second, I can pull up what what passage I'm talking about, because I took pictures of it. He's he's so clueless about humanity in general. 
Like it's her it's... cheeks trembled, and a fleeting smile crossed her lips. For some reason, this seemed like the most beautiful expression I had seen Asuna make yet. This is in the middle of her. <laughs> a paragraph later, fresh tears dripped under her skirt and vanished. When things disappeared in this world, they left no trace behind. Swords, monsters, even players. Like, okay, dude, but you, you're you talking about her crying face being the most beautiful expression. Fuck, that's such, such normal-ass gross dude shit, you know? Yeah. Like, dudes are always talking about how beautiful it is when women cry. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You freak. <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to anyways. Right. <laughs> uh. Kirito listens in on Neja's conversation with a group of fighters in a bar and realizes that they're scamming players. He almost gets caught, then dashes back to Asuna's room, where he forces himself in and walks her through the process of dumping her entire inventory to the ground all at once. Because this book is about an idiot, Kirito dives right into the pile of women's laundry and digs out Asuna's wind floret. Asuna decides not to murder him, and Kirito explains his theory on how the scam works. After, they go to watch the battle against the second floor's field boss, where they witness Diavel's former team, led by a player named Lind, who we've mentioned, and Kibao's team butting heads. Kirito also notices that the third group, the Legend Braves, are the fighters working with Neja. Nothing, nothing on him breaking into Asuna's room. Yeah, no, 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 no. We can, we can, we can move on. So they explain that you can't just break into someone else's room because it's a safe zone. Like you, there's, it won't allow you to. Uh, but because they're in the same party, uh, if you knock on the door long enough, then it'll allow you to go in. Which makes sense. Where if you, if you're in a party, you can enter someone's room. But you just have to, like, notify them first that you're there and intending to come in. Yeah, what makes less sense is that it also works the same for guild members. Because, like, if you're working in a party, you you have some kind of, like, close relationship with that person, right? Yes. But if you're just in the same guild, that doesn't necessarily mean that you even know that person. Especially... When you consider, like, the army, which has thousands of players in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially when you consider the first Sword Art Online book, where Asuna's guild member is, like, literally a, a crazed murderer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like... Fortunately, I, I believe you can, like, lock personal house yeah it's just the default it's the default setting of the door you i'm guessing that means you can change it yeah so yeah it's it's still and then since you're not in a guild and you don't have um like you're not used to being in a party because you're asana and you also like know a ton about the game but also know very little about the game (laughs) That it it makes sense that she wouldn't have changed any settings like that. No, but Kirito should have told her. Uh, he is he is kind of her guide through the game, and it's a failing on his his end to not mention that to her. I don't know. They they worked for two days together, and then didn't really interact with each other for four days, and then. 
this is the first time they're working together again. I get, uh, when you lay it out like that, I guess, so much happens in in so little. So yeah. much in so little, you know, happens in that amount of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. After watching the embarrassing but successful fight against the floor boss, Kirito and Asuna steal their moment- momentum to rush to the labyrinth before anybody else, getting a hefty helping of experience and loot in the process. Worth mentioning, Kirito is just the worst MMO player. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. They then head back to town so they both can meet with Argo. Kirito asks her for information on the legend Braves with the convi- condition that she not sell his name to them if they ask. And because she's crushing on Kirito, she agrees. Asuna asks Argo if destruction is a possible failure result of upgrading, to which Argo says it is, but only if the weapon has maxed out its upgrade attempts. Afterwards, Asuna and Kirito spy on Neja, who has set up shop in the village closest to the labyrinth now. They watch as he attempts an upgrade on the weapon of one of Lin's group, Shivada, only to have the weapon disintegrate just like Asuna's before. Kirito now has an idea of how the scam works. What are you trying to say, John? Nothing. Oh, I heard a deep breath that that usually pretends uh, a thought. Not in this case. I don't have any thoughts. (laughs) My brain is empty. Kirito disguises himself to get an upgrade from Neja, and when his weapon breaks, reveals himself and uses the skill Quick Change to call his weapon back to his hand. This is the same skill that Neja is using to so quickly switch weapons out for one that will break after an upgrade attempt. Neja immediately confesses as Asuna joins them from her hiding place, and he then explains that the idea came from a mysterious figure who believed that in the game, any crime was allowable. This is pretty clearly, um, like, the founding member of Laughing Coffin. Absolutely like whoever this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're gonna uh, start getting a lot of Laughing Coffin from here on. Oh, you think so? Um, yeah, yeah, after this after this book, there's going to be a lot of laughing coffin. Okay. Um, I also have a note here. This is also when we learned that Kirito got her out of the labyrinth, uh, like Asuna, got, got Asuna out of the labyrinth at the start of the book by putting her in a sleeping bag, which I guess reduces weight so you can carry a person around. No, any, he, any... he dragged her. Yeah. It, it... Still... She would have gotten this, this hurt is the if mystery he that they her. kept going. Yeah. The, this is the mystery they kept going for 277 pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for no reason. And then it's just kind of like arbitrarily dropped in the middle of this conversation. <laughs> I hate this book. This, Neja this d- doesn't great. like doing the... <laughs> Neja doesn't like doing the scam as he learned after the first scam he did. But his friends benefited greatly, and because Neja suffered from full-dive nonconformity and couldn't fight, fight well at close range, he wanted a way to be useful. After hearing his story, Kirito offers Neja the opportunity to be a fighter again at the cost of his blacksmithing skill. Yeah, here's, here's two things. I want to talk a little... What, one, first <laughs> of all, full-dive nonconformity is something completely new to the game, or to this, this yes. uh, series, which is that... Like a one percent chance, your brain does not work with the full dive uh, helmet, and you have a problem. And 
for some of these people, it's just you can't use full dive. For whatever reason, your brain is not compatible. And then for others, like Nesha, one of your senses, one or more of your senses are impacted. So in this case, Nesha isn't blind, but he has a very poor depth perspective. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Depth perspective. Oh, uh, see, right this is, I misunderstood this. What I understood full dive nonconformity to be was that, like, if you had any kind of difference from the standard of a human, then you couldn't dive. But, like, I thought, what what I thought was that Neja was in real life, like, nearsighted or farsighted or something. I don't think and so. And so that w- was what created the nonconformity. No, I don't think so. Because it's, it's not, nearsighted and farsighted isn't a problem with your brain. It's a problem with your eyes. Right. Uh, this, this is just, like they they have to build the the devices to work with as many brains as possible and so they they have the settings set up so for like to cast the widest net but because of that like it doesn't precisely work for some people who might be too far off of the standard uh and like you could probably get a full dive helmet specially built for your brain that could work better, but full dive's just not in the right be place for that. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's not a thing that exists yet. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it was all right. That makes more sense than what I thought. Yeah, um, it's just it's he, poorly explained. To be fair, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it, it, it made not, sense to me completely. It's not super in depth. Like what what you're saying does make sense, but I feel like my my takeaway was fair also. Okay. Um, <laughs> the the thing that that I didn't understand was uh, they they obviously they wanted him to give up his blacksmithing skill, just delete it because they don't want him to be able to continue to scam people, and it, it's 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 a fair it's a fair request. They uh-huh. should have gotten him to upgrade their weapons first. <laughs> <laughs> they both wanted to upgrade their weapons. He's the best that... blacksmith in the game at this point. But that was not my issue. Um, I need to find. I need to find this. Okay, so his his skills. He's got three skill slots. Yeah, he has throwing knives. He has inventory expansion, and he has one-handed weapon crafting. So there is not a blacksmith skill. It is that he can only craft and upgrade one-handed weapons. Yes. This is an insane way to operate a fucking video game. Well, it's... it's you you get more skills as you go on so and and you want to be right but i think that in the in the first book it's mentioned that like kirito only has like eight skill slots and that's like the 75th floor i don't remember but also like he wanted to be a fighter which is why he has the throwing weapon a crafter and and, yeah. yeah and and they they go over and over again on how Crafters are not fighters. 
That's like the only yeah. the, the reason why he was able to pull off the scam was because he was a fighter and he had that skill because the as you level up the fighting skills, you can choose to get the the quick change skill uh, on like your 50th level up with that skill. So he had to have been a fighter in order to pull off the scam. But the uh, the average crafter is not a fighter. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure Aegil uh, gives up his fighting abilities later on to just settle down and be a a crafter. <laughs> I don't right. re- I don't remember him fighting in any of the the final battles. But I mean, maybe he did. But at that point, there, you know, you can you you have no, more Aegil skill is points. Totally in the fight with um. Akihiko. Okay. Akihiko. Kaiba. Yeah. yeah. He's he's definitely there. Like he's like right next to Klein. Okay. In yeah, so, so he manages to scene. to keep up, but in general, he's also not a crafter. He's a seller, so he has to have the increased inventory and uh, what's the appraise. But aside from that. He's he's fine. He's, that's two skill slots as opposed to a crafter has to have like armor crafting or maybe maybe heavy armor and light armor crafting and one handed weapon right. and two handed I mean, weapon is, crafting. But you're this is split up way too much is what I'm saying. Like for for an MMO like weapon crafting, uh, armor crafting. That's that's kind of where you should be. With you shouldn't be breaking it down to one-handed weapon crafting, two-handed weapon crafting, like light armor crafting, heavy armor crafting. Like, I don't know. I I disagree because of how much this game is like, and, and and also like this game is weapons. That's it. So you you really if you had weapon crafting as one thing, then you can now help literally every character in the game. Uh, whereas that that doesn't allow for specialization or you know other stuff. So <coughs> it also doesn't mean that you can you know it, it means that you can be a fighter and a blacksmith. Whereas if you really wanted to focus on on blacksmithing or crafting of other sorts then you would have to you know specialize in being a crafter whereas if it's just like if you have a craft item skill then you uh (laughs) you everyone would pick that because then everyone would be able to upgrade their own items and stuff i guess okay that's fair it it makes sense i guess i just don't like sword art online as a game (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't play it. But you're about to. A few days... <laughs> you're about to. Uh-huh, a few days s- later, and the players have reached the second boss and organized a raid group, composed of three parties led by Lind, three parties led by Kibao, a party led by Agil, and a party led by the Legend Braves. Kirito and Asuna insert themselves into Agil's party, as he's the only one among the ringleaders who gets along with Kirito. The Legend Braves demand to be one of the parties fighting the boss, which creates some hostility, but the acting leader Lind relents. Kibao asks Kirito for information about the boss, likely as a show of goodwill, and Kirito pretty much just recites the information in Argo's second boss guidebook and reminds them that things might be different now. 
Anyway, things are different now. Everything goes <laughs> fine, except for the number of people getting unnecessarily paralyzed by the boss, and Kirito recommends they pull back. Lin declines, but agrees with Kibao that if too many more people get paralyzed, they will. Worth mentioning that this is a huge fucking right. room, and if they have to drag a whole bunch of paralyzed people out of the room, some people will die. Yeah. By the time the currently paralyzed players get up, they've just about beaten the boss. But then the true boss, Asterios, spawns. Kirito last attacks the mini-boss his group was fighting, then rushes over and coordinates a death blow on the original boss, where he also <laughs> lands the last attack because Kirito is actually a kill-stealing bitch. However, Asterios has a breath attack that instantly paralyzes Kirito, Asuna, Kibao, Lind, and a dozen other players, and Kibao and Lind are almost killed by Asterios. However, just then, Neja and Argo appear. The two of them had met up at the front of the dungeon and came to the boss room for different reasons. Argo, because she had finished a quest that gave her insight into how to beat Asterios, and Neja, because he had finally finished the martial arts training and was able to use the weapon Kirito had given him, a chakram that requires both martial arts and throwing knives to use. It's also the exact weapon you would need in order to beat Asterios. Neja uses the long-distance function of the chakrams to draw Asterios' aggro, allowing the main raid party to, to recover from paralysis and hear Argo's information. They then regroup and defeat Asterios easily with Neja's long-range help. Afterwards, Neja is confronted about the blacksmithing failures by members of Kibao and Lin's parties, and he immediately confesses to the scam he had been working. Things look to be going poorly, especially after someone mentions a player who had supposedly died after having to resort to a weaker weapon. And just as the conversation turns to execution, the legend braves intervene and apologize alongside Neja. With the criminals now being greater in number, punishment turns back towards restitution, and Kirito and Asuna leave as they're no longer needed. Also, Kirito got the last kill, uh, last attack in on Asterios as well. Yeah. The book ends with Kirito telling Asuna that the third floor is where the game really begins. Also, it turns out that that uh, the player who maybe died after having to use a weaker weapon, probably just a rumor the dude heard. Yeah. There's there's a lot going on with the the teams, like Kibao's team and Lin's team, that are just... They're, they're making shit up just to support their own viewpoints. It really scares me how quickly these people are... Jumping like, to murder? Like, yeah, jumping <laughs> to execution. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I kind of... Uh, obviously, this all speaks towards, like, Reiki Kawahara's mindset. Like, it, it kind of concerns me that that's how Kawahara kind of sees how the average person would act in this situation. Yeah. Because they're operating on very little information. Yeah. And just immediately jumping to, hey, maybe let's kill this dude in front of everybody and make an example of him. Which is is and, rather a simple solution. Yeah, and none of the leaders are saying anything. Like, well, the, at, the at people point, with power in this room, the, well, the people with power in this room are Lind, Kibao, Agil, Kirito, and Asuna. I, Those are like the five most respected people in this room. Agil has no power. None of them speak up at all. Agil has no power, and and they mentioned that with like he the they they mentioned that you know the last time there was a problem like this, Agil was able to speak up and and 
you know, diffuse the situation. But at the last time right. there was one person talking and everyone was kind of quiet. So it, it was it was a quiet situation that he could deal with. Uh, they also it would mentioned, be more difficult for Agil to be the one to jump yeah. in here. Uh, Lind and uh, Kibau, it also mentions, are at they're like, at this point, they would be unable to do anything. Which leads me, like, I took that to mean, this is a mob mentality at this point. Yeah, it's P- totally mob mentality. Which, in mob mentality, he's right. You can't do anything. There, There is no sense making that you can do to make people not do whatever the mob decides like a a mob is terrifying because everyone loses control and and that's that that is true i guess my issue with this is the mob is maybe like 30 dudes um (laughs) like at most it is 30 dudes because Asuna and Kirito aren't in on this. The Legend Braves aren't in on this. Lind and Kibao themselves are not in on this. The four, uh, the four people, like, like Agil and his three friends, are not in on this. So that's already, like, ten people out of the, the thing. Forty-seven. Yeah, there's forty-seven people here. Um, subtract the five Legend Braves, that's forty-two. Subtract Kirito and Asuna, that's forty. Subtract Lind and Kibao, that's... Uh, 38 subtract Agle and his friends that's 34 so if every other person was in this mob that is a maximum of 34 people half of which respect lind as their leader and half of which respect kibao so i don't understand why lind and kibao cannot just step in front of neja and talk to their people i i don't i don't they they also mentioned that they don't necessarily have the full respect. Like they're they're both vying for power right now. They they both are trying to become the 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 leads of these groups. Um, right of their respective of their respect. Like that's the thing is they each brought like uh, uh half the they each team. brought eighteen yeah, yeah eighteen people to to the the thing. So mm-hmm. they're vying for control of the raid party. Like, they have control of their people, or, or at least, like, respect from their individual people. That's why I'm saying if they both stepped in front of Neja, like, as a united front, mm. there See, are, like, there's... They, they mentioned that Kibao's got his people because he gives out money and he talks bad about beta testers. That That is the uniting yeah. factor of all of his crew, is that... He's giving them free shit, and they all hate beta testers. But I I also have to come at this with the information I have from the first book. And the implication here is that Kibao is the leader of the the Aincrad Liberation Army. Yeah, he's he's the leader of the the army. The big group of... Yeah, the big group of people, like a thousand strong or whatever, that hold the first floor and... Uh, I, I just don't understand how he can be that dude and then also just a dude with a whole bunch of like randos underneath him who just hate beta testers. There has <laughs> to be more than that. <laughs> you know? Mm. 3,000 players. I just looked oh, it up. 3,000. 3,000 yeah. players. You can't, lead a, you can't lead a guild 3,000 strong 
and, and be the kind of guy who just strings people along with hatred of beta testers. Yeah, I don't I mean, buy that. Something's got to change <laughs> at some point. Uh, and and it, it, it seems like maybe things are changing already in his own thinking with, like, the, the messages he's sending Asuna and the way he talks to Kirito. Although they do mention that, you know, they both want power and so they're both afraid that the other group's going to get the two strongest characters in the game. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't even... I didn't even mention that in the recap. Like, Lind and Kibao are both trying to stop the other from getting Kirito to join them. Yeah. Like, it's not even so much that they want him to join them. They just don't want him to join the other. Because then whoever yeah. whoever gets Kirito, they, they see as, like, the winner, I guess. Yeah, they are now the most powerful. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes sense because Kirito keeps getting all of the best fucking gear because he steals everybody's kills. <laughs> Yeah, I I hated that. I hated how he got three last attacks on the three monsters in the boss room. I'm like, you piece of shit. You're a garbage person. Hey, hey, if he hadn't gotten those last attacks, they would have had to go through an entire second round of battle. So. Or he just could have held back a second so Asuna could get the last attack. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he'll give her some of the shit. <laughs> I mean, can you trade it? Yeah. I don't know if you can trade it. Yeah, you can trade everything. Yeah, there's nothing okay. nothing is bound to character. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. This is a bad game. This is a game in which bosses do not respawn and you just have to move to the next floor in order to do anything. <laughs> yep. Ugh. So, any any more thoughts on this book, John? Oh, I love this. This was this was a great book. I I delighted in every moment reading it and uh, thought it was great. It, it's definitely readable. It's 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 a readable book. And it's also like a fucking book. Like <laughs> 354 pages. Yeah. It's it's sizable. And uh, I enjoyed it. Do you think he's it. also going to spend the next book spending like 70 pages not naming Kirito? <laughs> maybe <laughs> I mean who's gonna pick up the second book and and not know who Kirito is I mean who's gonna pick up this book and not know who Kirito is C correct <laughs> correct which is which is why I don't have a problem with that because how are you not gonna like what the fuck it's it's like it's so obvious. It's sort of I'm like, yeah. why are you doing this? You're drawing this out for no reason. See, just using I, indirect I, pronouns the entire time. Like I did not notice that Kirito's name was not dropped. Really? I did not notice because it it was just it it was obvious. It was so obvious that I didn't think it needed said. <laughs> like like. <laughs> You don't you don't go through like the New Testament of the Bible and are like, oh, and by the way, we're talking about Jesus. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> so like, like, here's the thing: it's that he does it during Kirito's chapters as well. Like, if he was just doing it during Asuna's chapters, and then it's like the big reveal for Asuna at the end of the first like portion of the book is like, oh my, oh, your name's Kirito. 
like like oh she's learning the name of her future husband because this is after we know that they get married like like that's a big deal you know but i but the way that it's like for so long in kirito's chapters and then just arbitrarily on page 63 let me let me read the Uh, no i i i I read that you 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 posted the the page number and i went back and was like yeah that that's kind of an awkward statement of that he just he refers to himself in the the third person there but uh, it's it's awkward and i agree it's awkward it's because like all of the other stuff is all from his perspective and i am also not weird and don't think about myself in the third person using my name for (laughs) myself when i am in my daily life i'm not like wow John would really like to do... No, I, I don't think to myself like that. I don't hold right. conversations where I'm like, use my name generally. It's assumed that people know that when they're talking to me, who I am. And also when I'm talking to people, quick for the who I am. <laughs> I was not a geeky teenage MMO fanatic, but Kirito the Swordsman. As long as my body was this virtual avatar, nothing would happen to me, even after Asuna the Fencer exited from the bathroom. It's just such an awkward way of speaking. Yeah, I'll agree. Because that, he also doesn't have to say Asuna, is... Asuna the Fencer. Like, we know Asuna uses a rapier. It's been repeatedly stated at this point <laughs> that she uses a rapier. You don't need to call yourself the swordsman. We know that you use the Anil Blade plus six because it's on every <laughs> fucking page of this huge book. <laughs> uh. It's just why, just why? Yeah, I hate it. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hate reading it. I hate the book, but it's a decent enough book. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Ten out of ten. I mean, I'm not- the art at the front is really cool. I like. I like everybody's faces. The artist is really good. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, I was. It was nice. There's there's like everyone's faces and you know, the the bosses and stuff and and fortunately there's no nudes until uh, about a quarter of the way through the book where we get to the um right <laughs> the bath scene. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there is there is a nude of a fifteen year old taking a bath. Yeah, yeah, unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, get ready for next month when we read the second read the book. Second. <laughs> Except the, because I'm going to be reading mine tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> I, I have the first and second books because uh, someone gave them to me for Christmas and I was very, very pleased with that. And so I, I still have to get the third one. I see. They... they I had put on my wish list that I wanted, I think it was like progressive books one through four and also Sword Art Online books two through four. Two through four because I already had one. And they were trying to figure out what the chronological order was. So they bought me progressive one and two and then SAO three and four, which I get it. Wow, it's confusing. that's entirely different. It's confusing <laughs> because they're both Sword Art Online. Right. They got me one, two, three, four in Sword Art Online. They just got it from two different series. 
But I'm happy because... The decently written uh, progressive books and then the very rape-heavy uh, fairy <laughs> dance books. Yes. But I already intended to get those because we're going to talk about them maybe not later this year, but next year. Um... And, and, you know, the progressive books, I'm excited to get that. I still have to get book two of Sword Art Online. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, what are you looking forward to for next week? Oh, um, oh, shit. Oh, you know what? Light, light fairy tale two, episode two. I'm going okay. to dig gonna, into that. You're going to dig into that. Okay. Yeah. How, how about this? You tell me what game I should do for next week. Oh, for shit. the game, for facts. game facts? Yeah. Uh, what are my options? Because they all have to be tied back to Games Master. Uh, pick any game that was popular during the NES and SNES era. <laughs> Toe Jam and Earl. It, it, it doesn't have to link back, but... Okay, I love Toe Jam and Earl. So, uh, I don't know why that was my first pull. I've literally never played Toe Jam and Earl. I've <laughs> I've wrapped Toe Jam and Earl, so that's that's great. Oof. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotta love it. So, do, does that bring us to the end of the episode? It does. Hey, uh, don't forget to share this with someone who. Uh, where's that? Uh, damn it! You're gonna have to cut some of this shit. Uh, I mean, I'll just vamp. Uh, follow us. Um, rate us. Review us. Listen to us on any of the various podcasting services you have. Um, we have a coffee that you can donate money to. And if we hit like $30 a month, I think is our goal right now, then we'll start doing a bonus episode every month it, it, uh, where we like we, we take... Uh, recommendations from the listeners on a game to play and discuss. Yeah. Uh, so, um, hey, don't forget to share this uh, with someone who's not a geeky teenage MMO fanatic, but whatever their name is, the Swordsman. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Share this with someone who has a katana. Yes. <laughs> yes. Share this with someone who yes. has a katana. Or an Anil Blade plus six. Plus six. <laughs> he never did upgrade his weapon, I don't he think. He didn't. He should have with the blacksmith. <laughs> the best blacksmith in the game before they got rid of their skill. Doesn't make sense. All right. No. See you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>